Welcome one and all to the mailbag. Lovely to have you here. You'll be pleased to know that Andy Brassel has joined us. He's picked himself up from his sofa and he's made his way in to the secret room where we all record and listen to the mailbag. Andy, how are you? I'm very well, Marcus. I had a dream last night which featured you in it, so it's very unusual to be speaking to you after that dream. Go on. Would you like me to recant? Yeah. It, uh, basically, obviously, I've been thinking about um, Wimbledon playing at Plough Lane <laughs> quite a lot recently. I'm glad you said that. Um, I thought you were going to say, I've been thinking about you. And I was like, oh, blimey, where the hell is this going? No, that's the outro music, Marcus. Was I um, um, as fully naked then as I am now? <laughs> no, unfortunately, there is there is no nudity in this dream. Right, but um, obviously, I've been thinking about um, Plough Lane quite a lot recently. You have. Did an episode of, of At The Match, of course, which you can mm-hmm. get on Football Ramble Presents on um, uh, the, the first game that Wimbledon played back at Plough Lane at the new stadium there. And um, I, I suppose that's why it's popped into my head. But what had happened in this dream is that AFC Wimbledon have been promoted to the Premier League or back to the Premier League. And um, they decided that to commemorate the first game, what they would do is knock down the selection of flats which are on the site of Mm -hmm. the old Plough Lane Stadium and basically play the game against Liverpool, the Premier League opener, on a field there, Ah. which was fine. But for some reason, as part of the opening festivities, mm-hmm. you, Marcus Speller, were required to bounce up and down on a trampoline for the entire game. Nah, I think we've got to tell like you, to you looked exhausted by half time. Oh, I would be, Andy. I bloody would be. But I think that would be a fitting way to do it. Um, would I be doing the bouncy like uh, certain Scottish supporters do? Or bouncy, 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 nah, 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 nah. Is that what you'd hear from me? <laughs> Maybe. It makes me think of West Bromwich Albion, actually. Why? The baggy bounce. I don't know that. No? No. All oh, right. What about uh, the Poznan, which Manchester City hate when other people do it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I was involved in a, a Poznan bounce uh, in the uh, League Cup final when I was in the Sunderland end uh, and they played Manchester City. Uh, was it 2013, I think? Well, I might be wrong. And uh, Sunderland went one nil up and they did the Poznan. I don't actually like having your back to the, the field of play, though. I think you should just do the jump whilst looking, so it's a bit strange. But there we are, Andy. It was your dream, not mine. Um, <laughs> I had a dream. And it will continue to be my dream. Yeah, I had a dream last night that I, I was just walking around a shop and I suddenly realised I hadn't got a mask on. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And then I woke up and I thought, well, that's a bit of luck. No fines for me. Um, so there we are. <laughs> uh, Andy, I'd like to begin proceedings by uh, bringing it to the table your friend and mine, Stevie Bear 1905. And, and Stevie uh, said uh, that he's been reading a few articles about defenders. He's... Uh, He likes to treat himself to Stevie, and he came across a name that he hadn't heard much before. Can Andy fill us in about the defender, Gleason Bremer, from Torino? How is he doing for Torino? He's got a bright future ahead at 23 and a left centre-back. Could he potentially be a cheap option for Liverpool to come in for with Van Dijk um, uh, being injured, of course, uh, possibly in the transfer window in January? If not, who in European football could do the job 
instead. Now, Bremer hasn't been at Torino long, Andy, and of course the way football's been recently, I personally haven't seen uh, that much of him. Uh, but he is a defender who very much likes to defend, as uh, some of the reports suggest. He likes a tackle. But what, uh, have you seen uh, much of Bremer? You know, not enough to have a definitive opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I like him, but I, I'm not prepared to go all in on him. I haven't only seen him play full 90 minutes on, on probably two or three occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'll be interested to have a look at him if he were to arrive in the, in the Premier League and hopefully have a, a little bit look at him more with Torino as they uh, as, as they come up the table. I mean, it's, it's so difficult to judge a defender in a losing situation. But I, I suppose we should look at a few other like, good defenders in, in losing situations in in that case, shouldn't we? And uh, like one that's sprung to mind for, for me, I mean, actually, before we get there, let's go to Germany. Let's talk about Ozan Kabak. Come on. Because Ozan Kabak is another one who's been linked with Liverpool on a number of occasions. Um, just came back recently from quite a long suspension. And um, he's a player who I, I think would fit a lot of big teams. Um, firstly, because he's totally aware of that big club pressure, having um, played at Galatasaray, where he came through the youth academy, um, at Schalke, which, you know, it, as, as we say time and time again on here, is, a, is an absolutely humongous club. And also, I, I suppose we, we should say Stuttgart in the middle, because um, mm-hmm. they're, they're a club with... Um, a reasonable amount of expectation and a lot of fans who who never really get anywhere. I mean, if you had to plot Ozan Kabak's ideal career from Galatasaray after leaving there, it wouldn't be the direction he's gone um, because mm-hmm. he was put into a situation at um, Stuttgart when he arrived as an 18-year-old and immediately he ended up being one of the leaders of the team. Um, one, because they didn't have any others, but two, because of his personality. Mm-hmm. And of course, an 18 year old should never be really thrown into a situation like that in a, in, in a successful football team. And um, it, it, it was tough, but he shone well enough and he became the player who the, the, the rest of the squad looked to for leadership, which shows how special he is, um, which shows that he is a real leader as well as being, I mean, you talked about defending first defenders. Kabak is, is definitely that. And um you know, he's gone out of the frying pan and into the fire, really, by leaving um, Stuttgart for Schalke. Um, but having gone through these character-building years and still being someone who looks like a good defender, th- there's a lot of good players who would have struggled to cope with, with mm-hmm. everything he's been through. And I think it shows, you know, he's, he's a man of steel and he, he, can really, he can really deal with it. And I would like to see him now on a good team. Um, Elsewhere in Germany, the the one I was going to come to first, um, at 21, Sebastian Bornau of, of Köln. I, mm-hmm. I think he is a player who's um, really physical, dominating centre-back, who likes to head, likes to tackle. Um, and he is someone who's... Köln have sort of gone under the radar because Schalke have been so bad um, <laughs> in this calendar year. The fact that Köln have gone on this enormous windless run of their own mm-hmm. and just been rotten in a lot of those games. Um, I think for him, it's, it's, it's been a little harder. Um, obviously, his form has been good enough for him to 
get called up for Belgium and obviously Belgium are looking for um, the next step in terms of where they go because um, you look at Vertonghen, uh, Alvarel, obviously companies are uh, further on and um, is, is, is making his first steps into to coaching. Having had some very reliable defenders for a very long time, they need now need to, to, to move on. I, I suspect Bornau will be part of that. But as with Quebec, I want to see him play a good team. Mm. Whereas Quebec has just about been able to to deal with it. Bornau has had some good games and some games where he's just looked totally thrown by the chaos around him, which I, I think is quite normal. And it's, it's difficult to stand out as a defender when your team is, is getting beaten all the time. Yeah. But as I say, I think there's enough about him that he could go on and and, and be a very, very good player um, for, for a better team. So those would be the, the, the two I would look for immediately. If we're talking about short-term fixes for Liverpool, I, I do kind of wonder about Eden Militao as well. Um, obviously, Real Madrid have, have had their defensive issues, um, particularly in the, the last little while. They, they lost 4-1 to Valencia, as we talked about on OTC mm-hmm. um, last week, um, in, in, before the last international break. Um, but Eden Militao, who's bought for a lot of money, has really struggled to find his place at, at, at Real Madrid. And having been so good when he arrived at, at, at Porto, so instantly... Mm. I would just like to see him in a place where he plays. I don't know if that's ever going to happen at Real Madrid. I mean, if Varane and his form continue to fall off a cliff, then then maybe you've got an option because Sergio Ramos, you know, he can have a couple of bad games and he'll, he'll get away with it and he'll, he'll be allowed to, to continue because he's such a, a phenomenal leader for the team. But um, I, I would like to see um, Eda Militao just somewhere where he can play all the time and... You, t- you talked about Bremer and how it was relatively recent him coming to Europe. Well, Eden Militao hasn't been over for that long. Oh, he's uh, a year younger than Bremer. Yeah, and he got signed off, off off the back of what one outstanding season at Porto. And really, from about six, seven games in, mm-hmm. that people were taken with him so much that he was being linked with a move to to big clubs. Then, so I would just like to to sort of acknowledge the fact that he's been. He's still developing. And why wouldn't you still be developing as a defender of, of that age? And all these defenders that we're we're talking about, they are going to be different players in five years' time to the players they are now. Hopefully even more accomplished players. But um, I, th- I think just to build a partnership within a team and to... to to build in a stable environment would be hugely beneficial to all of them. Because I, I think... You know, pretty much all of these players could go on to be very, very good centre backs, and we're we're forever talking, aren't we, about how you know th- there are no good centre backs left in the world. Where 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 are all the great centre backs? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the, the the fact is, it 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 takes time. It takes time to get there. I think more than any other position. And um, of course, the demands of what a centre back is required to do has changed a little bit. I, I kind of wonder if we've rode back a little tiny bit as well, because. Um, we are moving, I think, re-moving into a place where we're looking more at defenders who can defend. You know, you look at Manchester City's search for a centre-back mm-hmm. um, in the summer, and they were looking for that sort of defender, not someone who's necessarily there just to keep the ball moving. And, of course, that's why we've talked about it before. That's why Guardiola has gone with midfielders in defence rather than um, 
rather than specialist defenders before. But now, you know, when they're looking at Jules Kunde and when they're looking at Jose Maria Jimenez and they eventually end up with Ruben Diaz, those are proper defensive defenders, if you like. Mm. And uh, yeah. So maybe we're coming back to a bit more of that. Andy, what about the, uh, the Benfica defender, Ferro? If you'd have asked me um, a year, maybe a little bit more ago... Mm. I would have said that there's there's a player who could go on and become something mm-hmm. really special. Um, I'm not so sure now. I think he's got uh. a little bit stuck. Uh, Ruben Diaz was the real uh, leader of that team. And I think you look at Ferro now, he's... I mean, I know it's comparative and we've just been talking about defenders like heading into their mid-20s. At 23, I would have expected him to come a little bit further than than he has at, at this point. Um, I guess while we're throwing all the centre-backs into the mix as well, we should probably give a mention to Dio Pumacano and um, Ibrahima Konate at Leipzig because, I mean, I think everyone listening to this will be pretty much sold on Pumacano already. Mm-hmm. I still think there's a bit of an issue with him being a little bit too adventurous with the ball. On, on one hand, you don't want to curb what is his natural gift, which is an ability to bring the ball out a little bit in the style of Eric Abidal. Though that, that does kind of like leave a lot of space behind him, which I think is, is a bit of an issue co- mm. collectively. Um, and also there's the sense that sometimes off the ball, he's a little bit impetuous. So um, while he's an excellent player already, has got an enormous amount of experience at the top level to, to play like nearly 200 first team games when you're 21 is is, is amazing mm. um we, we shouldn't say he's, he's a finished article he, he needs work still as, as he should do at that age Ibrahima Konate who's just got fit again and has, has, has started to to come back playing again I know there are people at Leipzig who actually think he's the better defender so for him to get a run and play this season um, I, I think is, is is super important, but he could go on and become a a really really important player for them as well. And I think if you look mm-hmm. at the amount of centre backs mm-hmm. that France have at the moment, it is just astonishing. I mean, we talked about Kunde there. Kurt Zuma's got himself back into the international fold. Good old Kurt, quite astonishing. Yeah, your fan, are you? Uh, I'm just pleased for him because he he showed promise, and then of course went out on loan and. Had a little bit of a dip, but then uh, he's back and, and very important for Chelsea and back in the France up. So well done, um, that man. Andy, I'm ready yep. to ask you a question from Ian B, who says this. Andy Mitten recently talked about uh, Manchester United being offered Chanalolu. Now, forgive my pronunciation there. How do we, because I pronounce it um, Chalhanoglu, but is it one of these Erdo- Erdogan or Gundogan sort of situations? It's, it's, it's what the, yeah, it's what the, uh... Turkish caller uh, Umushak G, uh, ah. the, the G with the little squiggle above it. Yep. So um, it's Chalunurlu. Chalunurlu. So it kind of extends the vowel. Ah, so we'll call him Chanalulu from from now on. Uh, but of course, he's at uh, AC Milan. Um, but at the end of the season, his contract runs out, as Ian B says. Uh, while this is not a position Manchester United need to strengthen, and I can't see him lining up at Old Trafford in the new year. However, having watched a lot of Milan since football returned after lockdown, he has been one of uh, their star performers. 
Do you, Andy Brassel, see him moving to another European side? And if so, where? Or is all just this uh, smokescreen to get a new contract? He mentions that Arsenal are crying out for a number 10. <laughs> I mean, um, old Chananolu did say that he'd like to be Turkey's Meza Ozil. And, you know, despite being born in Germany, like Olmeza and so on. So, I mean, yes, there is a, a, a space at number 10 at Arsenal because um, Mr. Ozil's not been cutting the mustard, it would seem, Andy. But what do you reckon to all that? Um, I think Chalunoli is a really interesting one because if you speak to people about um, who know about European football, the divide between people who think he's really good and people who are totally underwhelmed by him is quite distinct and there are a lot of people in in both camps um his, his consistency is is an issue um I, I don't think there's 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 any doubt about that on the other hand i think you go back into last season and you look in Serie A alone in not the best Milan team that you've ever seen nine goals and nine assists which suggests that in his mid-20s he is making a a bit of a development and he's he's getting somewhere um i mean he has been unfortunate in the in the spell that he's been at, at milan they've been struggling for a, a lot of that certainly in comparison to, to to where they've been in 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 previous years um i think there's a lot about him to recommend him there's a lot that to make people suspicious of him as well because there are a lot of big passes there are a lot of big shots from distance He's very highlight show, uh, real midfielder. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think what we've got to bear in mind as well is that in terms of him um, looking for the last pass, he's he's become more accurate. He's become more economical in the last little while. And the flash bits of his game, I think, have, have started to smooth off a little bit, really. Um, you know, so we're seeing what was great potential at Leverkusen turn into something that is maybe, maybe he's not the number 10. Maybe he's not the superstar who people thought he would be. But what he is, is very effective. And I, I agree, he's had a decent start to to this season as well in, in, in what's a good Milan team. And he's, he's one of the grown-ups in that team, really, at, at 26, because it is it is quite a, a young team. I think to have got himself to this point where he's a consistent performer and where he's out of contract and he'll be like 27 when he's out of contract, I mean, what an opportunity, really, for him. I think to choose the right destination um, to, to get himself paid as well. We can't shy away from how important that is. Um, I, I think this is a really good moment for him. I'm not convinced. I, I can I can see why Arsenal would be attractive and I could see why he would be attractive to to Arsenal. And I could see him meshing with, with, with Thomas Partey, def, definitely. I, I think it's... Uh, a, a no fuss midfield if you if you've got those those two in it and, and maybe in that sense um a bit of a departure for arsenal in their recent history but maybe moving a little bit more towards what arteta wants um the link that i've seen that i think is a very interesting one is atletico madrid i can Ooh. see it really clicking there really for him but surely yeah. do you not think he's but it hasn't his industry been sort of questioned a little bit 
his 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 lack of pace, perhaps. I suppose at Atletico, maybe that that would be okay. But I mean, the pace is not really a, a, a deal, is it? As you say, mm. I, I think in in terms of industry, if he wants to take himself up to the next level, well, this is it, really, isn't it? But I'm saying that it, but the, the, he's been accused of having a bit of a lack of industry. Surely then at Atletico, that would be one of the last places he would go. Well, he's been accused of that in the past, but I think he's a, he's a lot more committed and he's a lot more prepared to put in something for the, 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 the team now. I think that's been one of the major changes um, in, in his game over the last year to 18 months. I guess if you had an issue with it, I, I think... You're looking at him. If if you're talking about popping him in that number ten spot, really that has to be the realm of Joao Felix. Uh, even if he's ostensibly playing as a as, as a second striker, you do wonder: do Joao Felix and Hakan Chalhanoglu end up taking up a lot of the same positions? I, I think that has to be a question. And if that was going to be the case, well, there's no doubt about it. You go with Joao Felix, don't you? Um, because he, he's really important to them now and he's going to be really important to their future. The other thing with Joao Felix, though, is that he could become a total number nine. I mean, we've talked about it before. He's someone who's absolutely terrific in the air. Um, there's no doubt that um, he could score a lot more headed goals with the right surf, surf, service from um, Trippier and Renan Lodi on, on the other side. So I'm sure you could find a way for them to fit. If I was in that Atletico squad and I was thinking that Chalunolu was definitely coming, I would think the one who would be the most worried is maybe Koke because he is a player who, you talked about industry, I mean, he's, he's put everything in, but I kind of feel he's over-sacrificed himself for Atletico down the years at the expense of his own development. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I look, at Coque three years ago, I would have mm-hmm. thought he would be the fulcrum of the Spanish national team. Well, didn't and, Javi say you know, he was going to be? Best... Didn't Sorry? Javi said that he, he's going to be my successor? Yeah, and I, I think you could look at him and think, you know, he would be looking in three years ago and think he, he would be one of the best midfield players in the world now. Mm. Um, that's not happened for, for, for one reason or another. And I wonder if they're almost getting to a point at Atletico where they're thinking, okay, this is a guy who's fully invested in the club, he loves the club, but would it be better for him and for us if if he went? Do you think he might, they might sell Koke? I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. Um, I, I think it would be something that's really hard mm-hmm. because Atletico are attached to their um, homegrown players and players who are thought of as being the heart of the club in, in mm. the same way that Bayern Munich are really. Yeah. You know, those those guys that are thought of as as living and breathing the club, as like openly manifesting the 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 values of the club. It's like when Bayern got rid of Bastian Schweinsteiger. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that they, they had to get rid of him in sporting terms because he, he couldn't really cut it anymore and Pep Guardiola was fine with doing that. But it hurt to lose him on an emotional level. When you look at the, the amount of those sort of players that Atletico have lost in the last couple of years, and it's been a really big time of transition because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Gabby going, Fernando Torres going, Godin going. That's been something that's quite hard to cope with. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, he would be an, another one of those. But I do often wonder mm -hmm. if it would be better for both if, if they parted ways. We're going to finish where we started with Stevie Bear, 1905, who says that he was watching the Europa League highlights of Roma versus Cluj recently, knows how to treat himself, when he heard the goal celebration music, All the Small Things by Blink 182. Great choice, in my opinion, says Stevie Bear. Wolves also adopted the Espanol goal celebration music at Molyneux, which I'm a fan of. So my question is, best and worst goal celebration music in the European leagues? There's got to be some right stinkers out there. Now, we may have mentioned this in the past before, Andy. I can't quite remember, but we're going to mention it again. So goal celebration music, I mean, I immediately think okay. of... Uh, of, I forget the name of the song, but I think of Middlesbrough. Dan, 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 which is QPR as well. They they use yeah. it there. And how, how does it go when QPR do it? Dan, 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 Dan. Hoops. Dan, 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 Dan. <laughs> Always been my dream to get a Fulham fan to do that. Come on, you super. <laughs> Hoops. That's what they... Uh... <sighs> I don't mind QPR. Good. Good. I'm glad. Mm. Anyway, something a bit um, further afield, Andy. So, um, I, th I think it's an interesting point because I think that goal music has become more and more homogenized mm. if you go between different clubs. And um, obviously, 2020 has been a, a tough year for a lot of people in a lot of different walks of life. I tell you, he's done very well out of 2020. Um, Zombie Nation, who are oh, responsible yeah. for, for Kerncraft 400, mm -hmm. uh, you know, do 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, yeah that one yeah but originally it was just i remember just hearing it at psv eindhoven and now it appears to be everywhere i mean i've heard it at spurs we talked about stevie talked about espanol wolves mm -hmm. have started using it and do we really want to get in a place where all teams are using the same Goal music. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, you go back a, a while and uh, Celtic were using uh, Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis, weren't they? Yeah, now, they they also now used... popular at Sporting. Yeah, really. They they also I think they also used uh, just can't get enough by Depeche Mode. I think, or maybe they just they just chanted at the fans. I can't remember, but that was that was there. Did you? I mean, I, well, you know what? It's an important point to make that you've just made, actually. The connection between what the fans are singing and what the PA is playing. Because um, that with, with Porto's goal music, you get that. And that came because the fans were singing that. They used to go, oh, oh, Porto Ali. Porto, oh, Porto, like, like that and uh, when it's when it's taken from the terraces and uh, you know that it's, it's making a reference to fan culture mm -hmm. i don't have a problem with that at all i, I think that's that's a undoubtedly positive thing but when it's a bit forced i think the low point for this mm -hmm. and I, I don't want to get on them because i know it's incredibly fashionable but um paris saint-germain doing uptown funk when they score a goal that's I mean, shit Come on. It's I mean, another I, I stick to beat point, them with, Andy. The low point of the Champions League this season is where 
Um, Anthony Martial scores the equaliser for Paris Saint-Germain, an own goal at the Parc des Princes. Mm. And so it's Anthony Martial scoring an own goal in an empty stadium and PSG think, yeah, let's stick up Town Funk on the, on, on the Tannoy. <laughs> I mean, that, that is a yeah, no well, point just... for all football. And I think we can all get on board, apart from probably Parisian fans, and say um, Manchester United fully deserve to go on and win that game. <laughs> <laughs> because it was just um, a, a, a wretched low. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, to summarise, it has to be about fan-led culture. That's yeah. what it has to be. Because AC Milan about. used uh, Jump by Van Halen for a bit. I don't know if they still do. You know, Marseille come onto the pitch uh, to that. I don't mind. Fact, they, I don't mind a song a bringing. I don't mind a song bringing a team onto the pitch like this is the one, or uh, you know, simply the best by Tina Turner as they do at Ivory, for example. <laughs> yeah, exactly, or something like that. I don't mind that so much, but I mean, song two is a popular one as well when that goes in the yeah. Blur song. But but, but Andy, surely with VAR, traditions... with VAR, Andy, you can't really have this as much. No, we, we we talked about this a while back. A yeah. Back when um, it was it was a, a little local derby between uh, Leverkusen and Köln. I think it was in the first year they had uh, VAR in Germany, so the season before last. And um, the, the, basically, the um, Leverkusen fans had a because Cologne are the goats. Of course, they have a goat mascot. Yeah. They had a big banner done in Ghostbusters font to say. Yeah that we, Leverkusen, are the Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And when Leverkusen scored a third goal in that to finish it off at 3-1, the, the Tannoy played the Ghostbusters theme tune. That's good. And then VAR went back and disallowed the goal. Yeah, that's annoying. <laughs> Which was a, a, a dreadful a dreadful letdown in, in so many ways. Mm, it was indeed. Andy, let's finish there then. Thank you very much uh, for your questions, people. Uh, it's been a pleasure hearing Andy answer them, quite frankly. Um, this has been The Mailbag. You have been great. You have been Andy Brassel. Thank you very much for that, Andy. Thank you. And uh, we shall see you next week. Lots of love. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 